This editorially independent podcast is supported by Visit Flanders. The date is the perfect day to do an event, but for the production in Lambic Brewery, this is the most uh, uh, busy moment of the year. We are end of brewing season, so we are finishing the last brews. We are delivering words to the to the blenders. We are bottling uh, the goose for for the summer, which is coming. And so at this moment, uh, it's the most busiest time of the year. And then, of course, it's quite a challenge every time to uh, rearrange, to have everything ready for uh, our uh, marvelous Tour de Geus. Maybe also one reason why it's every two years, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I mean, is it stressful or is it just, it's a lot of work and there's a kind of euphoria when you, when you finish it? Everyone, everybody looks forward to it. Yeah. It's kind of an euphoria. I think, I think there's like typically a little bit of stress, you know, just the, the last hours before you open the gate, like, oh, I still have to get this. Oh, we forgot this thing. Yeah. Quickly go and check that out. <laughs> we forgot then, the uh, bottles of Lambic. <laughs> when everything's going and you see it's going fine, it's fantastic. And then see the old people's reactions when they come in, it's actually fantastic yeah. to yeah. see all that too. My name is Brendan Kearney and you're listening to the Belgian Smack podcast. So the Tour de Geuze is an event which takes place every two years in which members of Haral, a group of Lambic breweries and blenderies in Belgium, open their doors to the public for a whole weekend. The Tour de Geuze was scheduled for 2021, but because of COVID and the restrictions on travel and on hospitality and, you know, like groups coming together, just couldn't go ahead. I have to say, the Tour de Cuse is usually a really special event. It started in 1997, and it just gets bigger and better every year. You know, the world of Lambic is so unique. It's filled with incredible history and compelling characters, obviously wonderful beers, and like this special backdrop of villages. There are chartered buses that run specific routes during the Tour de Cuse, as thousands of people make their way across the Bertenland from site to site during the weekend. They're listening to live music, you know, they're drinking Eau de Huse and Eau de Creek and a, a bunch of other wonderful Lambic beers. It's really sad that it couldn't go ahead this year as intended. But to fill the gap, a new event was proposed, the Tour de Huse at Home, showcasing each of the Lambic breweries and blenderies in specially filmed videos, as well as a series of interactive live sessions during which the public could ask questions of the brewers and blenders. So Horal teamed up with Visit Flanders, Tourism Vlaams Brabant and a live event streaming company called Bitstream to set up a small studio in one of the most respected beer cafes in Belgium for Lambic, café in the Verzekering tegen de Grote Dorst in the village of Ezeringen. Lieselot Gaura of Beer Secrets hosted the event and I moderated the live sessions with brewers and blenders. 
So we had perspex screens between us. We, we wore our masks religiously between the streams. And to follow the Belgian COVID guidelines, we didn't share any beer at all during the event. You know, we, we wanted it to be safe and it really was. So what you're about to hear are some clips from the second day of the Tour de Huse at home. You'll hear me speak with John Matthijs of Hansen's Artisanal, with Karel and Jos Bone of Brouwerij Bone, with Pierre Tilquin of Huiserie Tilquin, with Karel Godo of Huizestekerij Ode de Kaam, and with Pavel Ras of Brouwerij de Trok. Now the questions that I'm asking are coming in from a live chat feed. So before each conversation, I have no idea what will be asked or what we'll be talking about. This interactive format is actually quite brilliant because the public very rarely gets to ask questions directly to these Lambic brewers and blenders in a live scenario like this. You can watch all the sessions now in their entirety on the website tourdehuse.be. That's tour t o e r de d e huse g e u z e dot b e. But for now, sit back, listen, and enjoy the highlights of day one of the Tour de Huse at home. John Matthijs of Hansen's Artisanal. The blendery originated in Dwarp in 1871 with Bartholomeus Hansen's, family of John's wife Sidi. She's the fourth generation of the Hansen's to blend Lambic. Hansen's received their award from Bone and from Lindemans. You know, we talked about having another job alongside blending, talked about using strawberries in Lambic, and we talked about how climate change is a real concern. Um, now, CD is unable to join us today, but unfortunately, yes. Yeah, you two guys are kind of you two uh, are, are kind of uh, running the, running it yourself, mm-hmm. and it's it's in it's in the family uh, mm-hmm. a long sort of history that we we learned about in the video. Um, but actually, Hansen's is not your like full time job. No, it isn't. So um, I I think you work at Zaventem Airport in Brussels as an air traffic controller. Correct, yes. So that's your that's actually your full-time job. That's my full-time job. So yeah. like tell me what you're doing there. Are you waving in planes and like yeah. or is it a health and safety? Like what do you do in your day job? I do, yes. Uh, as you as I'm, I'm sitting in front of uh, the radar screen uh, with the mic in my hand and I'm giving orders to to pilots uh, to climb, to descend, to turn left, to turn right and and so on. Yeah. And that people, people might say, "Wow, that must be quite a stressy, a stressy job. But uh, honestly, sometimes I have more stress from the blendery as from my work at the airport. But I, yeah. I guess they say that because it's it's probably, there's a lot of responsibility. These are like bigger aircraft with is, a lot yeah. of people on them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And there's a whole schedule in the airport uh-huh. about what comes in and uh-huh. stuff. So, I mean, is that something you've done for a long time? Of course, yeah. Uh, I started in, uh, in, in uh, 90, uh, 1990, so it's about uh, 30 years already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, and then uh, Sidi uh, um, also, she, she had another job. She had another job, yes. Uh, she used to work for uh, a lawyer's company. Uh, but then, of course, uh, due to the fact that uh, the, the, the Goose and the Creek and Lambic beers were, the, it was booming again. So, uh, and of course, uh, you had a lot of paperwork to do. Uh, you know, every year it's more and more becoming more uh, complex and so on. Uh, then she decided to stop, to quit her job and to get uh, the full-time thing into the brewery. And now she is uh, uh, mostly doing the admin administrative uh, things yeah, yeah. And, and, and so on. Yeah. So, I mean, I think most of the other brewers and blenders are kind of full-time in, the, in, the, mm -hmm. in, the, in their breweries and blenderies. Like, um, does it give you a different perspective uh, coming from another job to blend? Or is it just like makes things more difficult because you have less time? Like, what, what, what or would, is there a, like a benefit to kind of having, you know, a double life almost? Well, the, let's say that the, the harder thing is uh, the fact of missing a social life um, because uh, you're obliged to do things, in fact. And, uh, but the, 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 uh, the profit is that. Uh, because of my job as, as, as an air traffic controller and because of the fact that uh, I have to work in shifts, um, I have the opportunity uh, to work a lot or I can work a lot during the night mm -hmm. and during the weekend. That was the beginning. So you see, and uh, that is, um, uh, the, the, that's why I had some time off during the week uh, in order to do the, the, the oh, job. You're not supposed to be sleeping then. Yeah, yeah, I do, but yeah, yeah. But uh, let's say uh, when you are young, uh, you have uh, four hours sleep, it's okay. It's okay, you can and do again, it. Yeah. But now, on my age, it's a little bit... It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, not so easy anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eva says, we're drinking a Hansen's Old Beecher 2018. What does Old Beecher mean? And is regular strawberries or is it wild strawberries Bossard Bay? Yeah, well, uh, the story of uh, Old Beitje is uh, because, uh, now I have to think, uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, it was a, a question from uh, our uh, importer in the United States, uh, Be United, and he wanted to do something special. Uh, he said, let's make a, fr a fruit lambic. And so we were thinking, and he had the idea of using raspberries. And CD had, said, had you made had you made fruit lambics before that? No, 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 no. This it was, was the first time. Yeah, okay. except for the creek, of course. Okay, because the creek was uh, a, has yeah. always been heritage uh, product. Yeah, in the portfolio, and uh, CD said, well, for, uh, the raspberries, uh, this is uh, something which is does already exist. Let's try something new. Uh, why don't we use strawberries? Because in Belgium. We also have a good, uh, very nice strawberry. So uh, the client, he said, okay, that's fine for me. And we, we, we started with five small barrels. That was the beginning, only 1000 liters. Mm -hmm. And then we gradually, it grew, it grew, it grew, it grew. And it, uh, at the end, we ended up with uh, 10 barrels of 500 liters each. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, because uh, the demand was very, was, was uh, very high. So, and Oudbeertje is in fact um, uh, the thing that we, we, we wanted to pronounce the Oude. Yeah, from uh, the Oude the protection, yeah. uh, from the European protection, from Oude Geuze, Oude Griek. Oude and Aardbe mm -hmm. in Flemish, Aardbe is strawberry. Mm -hmm. So the thing together was Oudbeertje. Yeah. 
but uh, yeah, afterwards we we learned that uh, for the uh, in the United States it was very difficult. It's oh, a bit difficult to pronounce. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but okay. You can't uh, rename it now. I think no, it's, it's, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. And in fact, Outbadge is just, uh, is a straight lambic on which uh, fresh cherries, uh, sorry, fresh, fresh strawberries, strawberries yeah. have been macerated for uh, for about six months. And then uh, we put it uh, into the bottle, let's say straight from the barrel into the bottle. So it means that we, we do not make a blend with other, not a blend between old and young in order to have uh, the second fermentation. Okay, yeah. So that's why it remains flat. And um, of course, after a few years, because uh, the beer, the lambic is also not pasteurized. So it means that uh, the yeast will uh, continue to break down the mm -hmm. flavor the color, mm -hmm. the aroma, and at the end, uh, we have some uh, some um, odd badger from the, the beginning. And when you open it, of course, you have now some carbonation. Because there was some slight yeah, fermentation. Yeah, yeah, because there is uh, always some slight fermentation, yeah, correct. And also, but the color has disappeared, and also the, the nose as well. Mm -hmm. So if you drink it, you would say, it's a goose, but with the, with the, with the fruity taste. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, and what, what was the what was the reason for deciding not to blend, you know, like an eau de Huse with strawberries rather than just the straight lambic with the strawberries in? In order to have the flavor of uh, and the yeah. taste of the fruit. So basically, the blending and the refermentation would, yeah, so yeah, do would, the flavor yeah. too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I guess there are no other, or maybe very few other, authentic strawberry mm -hmm. Huses in Belgium. Yeah. I guess that's that's, that's true. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. that was that was something interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's go for a question from uh, Kristen. Uh, uh, where from comes the typical acidic taste? Hansen's is really specific. So yeah, I guess referring to the fact that Hansen's has a, uh, you mentioned it in the video, a scarpa canche. A scarpa canche, yeah, yes. So uh, um, maybe talk about like how, how you know you guys have that flavor profile different to others. Well, it all has to do, of course, with the climate change. As you have seen in the movie, uh, our barrels are stored on the first floor. Um, because in the beginning, um, in the the early 1800s, beginning of 1900s, everything ha had to be done by hand. And um, the the reason why storing the barrels on the first floor was because they were making, uh, or, or we are still making use of gravity. Because, um, so you put uh, the the tap in, uh, in, in, in the barrel and you put uh, the, the tube, on it, and then on the ground floor, you have uh, the big the big barrel in order to collect the beers, and it all works with uh, gravity. So no pumps and no, no pumps, pushed yeah, by CO two yeah. or anything. Like that, that is that is uh, how it how it uh, was done in the, in the beginning, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, so we we do not want to change the the structure of the building. Um, and in the beginning, when we started. There was no problem at all. It, it, it was except for the, the barrels we, which uh, we had to uh, renew uh, one by one. And uh, but now with the climate change, of course, um, it because we ha we do not have any air core or, or climate or climate uh, control. But this is something which we for this moment we are thinking about mm -hmm. to resolve to 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 tackle the problem because. Um, Last year, the summer, uh, it was very 
warm. It was very hot. We had a few days where temperature didn't drop uh, below 30 degrees Celsius, mm -hmm. even at night. It, it, it remained still still warm. So, uh, but that's what that that was okay. But of course, the summer of 20 uh, of 2019, where we had uh, the famous uh, heat record of uh, 42 degrees. Uh, at that point, I think uh, a lot of um, the beers got uh, infected, and it is unfortunately, unfortunately to say, but we also have now to uh, to destroy uh, some uh, some that, hectoliters because the, the the beer became too acidic. And yeah, that's acetic acid bacteria, yeah, which acidic basically acid gave bacteria, too much of a sharp yeah. edge to the beer. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and is it possible to like maybe have temperature control, or is it something that maybe for cost reasons or the way the building is structured might be a big problem? Cost reasons as 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 well because. Uh, uh, as we, we sometimes CDN and, and I are talking uh, together and uh, say, you know, there is, there is all the, the generation who starts, uh, they have to put some money in. Mm -hmm. Then the second generation, they will have to, they, they will profit mm -hmm. from the, yeah. and then the, 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 the next generation again has to put some money in. Yeah. And, uh, that is why, and CD agreed as well that, uh, her father, uh, in fact, he 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 didn't he didn't uh, Make invest a lot. Yeah. So uh, what we had to do now, we had to, uh, to invest in new material, new barrels, uh, new bottling line, new tanks, also electricity, uh, water, also the roofs. Uh, uh, we had about uh, two thousand square meters which had to be renewed. Uh, so a lot of money we yeah. put it in and. Uh, so, so uh, you're suggesting there that you've made the investment for the next generation For already. the next generation, but we... we who, is the, who, who is the next generation? Is, is there no any succession sort of thoughts at all no about, idea. about Hansen's? Yeah. Well, maybe the winner of the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the winner of the quiz. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's take another question then. Uh, Deal, while your specialty fruit hoses are great, I really enjoy your regular eau de hoose and creek. What percentage of your production and export is each? So yeah, Kenna, what's your divide between fruit and eau de hoose? Uh, fruit and odogus, let's say 60% uh, is odogus and 40% is fruit. And for the export, well, it, it depends. On where, on, on the beer and where it's going. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, as I said in the beginning, uh, the United States was a, the big market for us. Mm -hmm. And at a certain moment, uh, we, we, we could, or, or we, we had the possibility only to produce for the United States. Mm -hmm. But now, of course, the sales has dropped down for uh, every Belgian brewer uh, yeah. with regard to export to the United States. So it depends. Yeah. Uh, there are some new markets coming in. So, uh, but let's say that uh, 70, uh, 65 percent, 70 percent is Belgian market, uh, European market, and then 35, 30, 35 percent yeah, is It's uh, Bone. Our guests are brothers Garl Bone and Jos Bone. Their father, Frank Bone, started blending in 1975 with another blender, René de Witz, and he took over in 1978. His first brew took place in 1989. Jos Bone came on board 2012, with Garl coming in during 2017. Browery Bone joined the Belgian Family Brewers in 2018, and they currently boast the largest stock of Lambic on wood in the world. 
So we discussed what it's like to follow their father, Frank Bone, talked about the intricacies of food management, and we found out which Bone beer was their favourite cuisine. I mean, and you, you two guys are, are brothers. What's the, the age difference in, in, in between you? Those are six years older than I am. Yeah. So, exactly. so you joined the brewery, I think, 2012? Yes. And you came in around 2017? Yeah. 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 For me, this was full-time 2012. After my studies, uh, I did uh, brew, brew master's engineering. But uh, I'm already in the brewery since I was, I think, uh, six years old or seven years old, together with my father. So it's something yeah. that came. You grew up You grew up in the brewery. We grew up in the brewery, never pushed to go into the brewery. If, if it would not be something for us, mm. we would not be here today. So our father let us... Uh, take, choose and take part of this if, if we wanted to. And, uh, and, and, and have you worked in other breweries um, before uh, you started at Bone? <laughs> no, there was t- too much to do at our brewery. So yeah. uh, I was able to, to work uh, for six months at uh, Chimay, mm-hmm. uh, Trappist Brewery. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like Lambic is kind of what you've seen and what, and what you know, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was there any doubt before you guys got involved that, you know, maybe, you know what, I'm going to become an accountant. Or, or were, were you always going to work as a, as a, in a Lambic brewery? For me, it was bright clear. I yeah. was going to go into the brewery. Uh, yeah, for you, it was quite obvious, I think. <laughs> from I was always interested in, in what's, what's going on in the brewery itself and then the beer and everything together. And, and, and uh, yeah. for, yeah. me, it took, for me, it took some time to actually realize that I wanted to go into the brewery. I think for a few things helped, you know, to, to make up my mind uh, for a big part, I think people at, at, at uh, events saying, uh, coming up to me and, and just, you know, seeing the reactions of, of people towards the beer, which the beer, the brewery, having the brewery in our life and having it around at, at home because we lived next to it, uh, it was normal for me. So you can't take it for granted, but then you see, uh, yeah. you know, how it, how it uh, and I was, uh, emotions with people. And it's, I was also happy because for me, it was obvious. But I'm more interested, let's say, in the production side. And my father also is all, always everything at our brewery turns around the beer and the lambic. Yeah. And so, yeah, Facebook account. I don't think we had it uh, yeah, five years yeah. ago, and all those things. We, 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 and Carl is really into the the customer and com- in the communication, and he's a beer lover from that side. And so, when he was interested in joining us, I was really happy because this this is a very good yeah. match. And it also yeah. means that you two guys. Kind of as the new owners in Bone have your own kind of spaces to yeah, operate exactly. in and your own responsibilities, yeah. and you kind of can can you know obviously work closely together, yeah. but you kind of have your own spaces. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, is is the family element of it important, or is it something that you're just like it's it's so taken for granted yeah. that you don't really talk about it or think about it that much? You know, you mean the fact that that, that it's a family well, group that it's your part of your identity. Yeah, but it definitely is. I mean, I think I think there are two things. It's it's important for a brewery to have a fa- family ownership it's 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 important for the beer itself because then you can have uh, um, the commitment towards the beer and especially in lambic because yeah we have the, the lambic beer spontaneous fermentation all the wooden casks our father says always you have to have your bed next to the mm-hmm. cask and that that's that's true there mm-hmm. is no other way to to accomplish a certain level of, of quality if you shut the door at five and yeah days off so. it's a, for lambic it has to be a way of life absolutely and that's yeah. this is a way of life and so when it's family family owned or fa- it's family business it's it assures more. also that the continuity in the brewery in a sense that you know as, as he says it's 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 a certain commitment but also as kids i mean we were surrounded by the beer 
almost literally. <laughs> but also, you know, you, 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 as kids, we went to other breweries, visiting breweries. You're, 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 you're growing up in this. And like, it's like, I mean, maybe comparable. The continuity of what you see, what you hear, what you learn. Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah, a lo- so, it's a long-term project, yeah. Lambic, anyway. You yeah, know? so when we started. It's a really long term. Say yeah. when we started officially at the brewery. Uh, each of us, you know, the day we started, we knew immediately what to do because we were just. Continuing. You did need a brewery tour to, to to take you around to see what everything was, <laughs> and, and and sort of last last question on the family thing is, you know, Frank Bone is obviously you know a highly influential figure in Lambic and in Belgian brewing. Mm. Um, is there kind of any pressure that comes with having a father that's so you know high profile? Uh, I think I I don't. Do you think? <laughs> I don't experience it like like. Maybe you like like, like the fact that he's known because uh, yeah, he he has accomplished a certain thing on the lambic uh, world. That's true. If if he didn't do, do his thing, I don't know how the lambic world would would look like today. Absolutely. Um, so this is something, uh, but this is also something that motivates us every day to continue. Uh, uh, to, the to write the next of, chapters of, of yeah, it's 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 a legacy of how you want to call it, but it's also something a result we have today, and we want to continue on this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't also feel as a sort of pressure, but it's more like you know, we try, it's, it tries to challenge us as well, and so yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Let's let's go to some questions. Then. First question there from Biras people: Is it a challenge for you to continue Frank's work? One of the biggest experts in lambics and hoses. That's kind of what we we already yeah. talked about. Yeah. Um, Matt at lambic.info asks: For VAT thirty one, can you say the Brussels brewery where the fooder was sourced from? <laughs> It's challenging questions. Okay, well, let's 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 come back to that question. But maybe for people that don't know what VAT thirty one or yeah, the monoblend yeah, maybe is, Carol can you explain, can explain what the, uh, the VAT thirty one monoblend is? Uh, so the VAT thirty one, so it's a it's a monoblend where um, we actually use the barrel number thirty one that has uh, been in the brewery for uh, quite quite a, quite some time now. That's a fooder fooder a th- fooder thirty one yeah. of of. Where it comes from? No, uh, 31 of how many? Ah, fooder 31 of 161 uh, today fooders at the brewery. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So 161 fooders we can choose from. Um, but the, f- the 31, yeah, so it's aged, Lambic that we aged for four and a half years in, uh, that th- in the fooder number 31. Um, then it was bottled and then it, now it's been in bottle for I think 10 or 11 months. Mm-hmm. But but what's more important about the the casks is something that we see. Yeah. Um, when we when we today we have one hundred and sixty fooders. I think in the year two thousand we had we had about twenty thirty fooders. So since then we we year after year we we uh, add stock. Yeah. Add stock. But you see that when the fooders are uh, longer and longer in service, uh, they are they are trained to give the bed, the better lambic. Mm-hmm. So fooders, which has been already before they came to our brewery in a lambic brewery, which which did a certain way of of, of how to to manage the the fooders. It's kind of like they're match they, fit. They're match fit, and they are already further in the in the training to become the perfect uh, lambic fooder. Let's say they are. Th- those are the best casks. Yes. So it's important to use and reuse lambic fooders yeah. and to make them lambic fooders. That's actually what we're trying to achieve yeah. as well. Yeah. We, al- we always say when we have new fooders that start at the brewery, they are in training. Yeah. And after 10 years, 15 years, we see they are at, at level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Brussels brewery? <laughs> That's for another, another time. That's that's unanswered, <laughs> but I, maybe some people could guess. I'm not sure. Maybe some people um, could guess. It's a quiz question, yes. Um, <laughs> there, there's a question here uh, about a distinction between Eau de Hues and Mariage Parfait and Black Label from uh, Abajit Patak and Stan 
Um, and also that Frank said it's the driest hues of the brewery has ever made. So can you talk a little bit about kind of, yeah, what the Marais Parfait is, what the black label is, and what the distinction between yeah. those two is? Um, I'll take the question. So yeah. um, with the Marais Parfait, the goal, well, or with the black label, let's say the goal is actually to make a gurza that has a very dry finish. And we can we, we achieve this by creating a gurza with a, with a, with a very high attenuation. Um, and at the same time, the goal is also to have a very full body. But so each edition that we make, we try to have those things, you know, the dryness, the body, the, the, the good flavor profile, of course, complexity and balance. But with Mariage Parfait, I think the, the, you have, you're looking for a certain flavor profile, not necessarily for this dryness, but more, um, let's say a bit more oaky, more, uh, yeah, more, more, more old here's a character, essentially. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And this is the difference. In general, also the Mariage Parfait will contain, uh, Quite a lot more uh, three-year-old lambic, I think, yeah. will, will vary. Does that mean for the black label that you're using a different wort, which has you know specifications which might attain a different attenuation, or maybe a full body? It's it's a selection that we do with with fooders where we. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, you can you can of course when you're a brewer you know how to make a certain wort and then you can play with that, but of the the most in important influence comes from the fooders and yeah, so it's the blending that, actually where, where yeah. that where that so it's, happens it's when we we have a set of fooders when i say they are 10 15 years and they are at level those are the fooders where the mariage perfect comes from every time mm -hmm. um, and the same with the black label there we look with the fooders which which achieve a, a high attenuation in but they're also always they're also place the the spontaneous fermentation you cannot you can, when you give them the word, they will give a certain result in, in a way of, you will, you will, uh, you will see how it will, will, uh, be. So for black label, we'll, we'll, we'll select the, the fooders with a high attenuation. Yeah, exactly. We will look at, at, at that and, and that will be a, a key, a key thing to make, to making black label. Yeah. 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 Um, Jeffrey VR, what is your all time favorite bone hues that is brewed and bottled by your father, Frank? Ah. It's a good question. But when was the last time he bottled himself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh... <laughs> no. But I think I think uh, it's because it, it's always a, a teamwork job. But I think yeah, for me the black label too is one of my favorites. Black label moment. for sure. Yeah, yeah. black yeah. label and maybe now really because he, he said it as well recently. But the Vat Thirty One. Because the most the most interesting thing is when we well, when when we create a blend is yeah you know how it will taste, but you have to think further. You have to think about how it will. Evolve, evolve when Absolutely. it's on bottle. Yeah. And so with the black label too, I remember it very well. My father said, making this like this, and you taste it within four years and you get that result. Mm -hmm. and this is my father. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that, that also comes from experience, you know, and you're of gaining course. that experience now because in order to see what it's going to be like, you have to have seen things before yeah. and then seen how they turned out. Yeah. You know? And we don't have to track down to the, to the cask and the lambic, but we have to go till the malt until the, the, yeah. the fields on the... Absolutely, right back to the, the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Let's see, Tim, uh, Tim Bremersk, what's an experiment you'd like to try at Bone? So, I mean, I don't know if he's referring to yeah, some additional fruit or a particular type of fuse, or if he's asking if you guys are yeah. going to produce a New England IPA. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're... Uh, practic Maybe practic even? Practically, we can produce everything. We can we can also do non-lambic beers at our brewery if we want to. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, we have such a, a lo local uh, style uh, dark beer, but... Uh, so is there anything in your in your back pocket that you're... We have, a, we have a lot of ideas. Yeah. A lot of ideas, but yeah. uh, which can be with fruit, which can be with other things. 
Yeah. It's uh, let's say let's say let's say we've, we we recently talked about ideas, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is always we are as I said focused on the beer, so we want to do it very 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 good, and we we spend a lot of time only in the last percentage of our regular beers, mm. so we don't manage to go as 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 fast as we want sometimes yeah. by creating new things because we have to rethink it over and yeah, making experiments yeah. at the brewery is we if we do something experimental then we generally do something very small scale for ourselves to test it. But if we really want to do something and, and then, you know, do a, do a full scale production, we want to be sure like this is going to be fantastic. So we have to be a master of the whole, the whole production. Yeah, it's a whole, whole project management. The whole project, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's from, as you say, from the field all the way to the, the last drop in your glass. Yeah. You have to make sure, okay, this is going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But you, then see, we're gonna do something. you see two young guys, so yeah. <laughs> you can expect something. something in okay, the good, future. Good, <laughs> good. Um, Jonathan and Ludovic, uh, how do you get CO2 in the monoblend vat if you don't add young lambic? I think this is a very good question because we do add young lambic. Yeah. So the vat monoblend, it's a mono, but it's a blend. There is a reason why okay. we have the word blend. So we always, the mono is the cask. And yeah. then there is a part of younger lambic only for the, not for a flavor potential. Just but, to give the residual the, sugar that you need yeah, for the re-fermentation. And of course, you know, the, 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 you know, predominant amount in the, in, will always be, you'll have to judge the amount of young lambic based on like, yeah, yeah carbonation yeah. figures, calculations. But yeah. can you give us an idea of like, are we talking 2%, 8%, 12%? Oh, about, uh, this can be 10, 10 15%. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> So next it's Tilka, Huserie Tilka, the only Huser blendery in Wallonia. They began operations in February 2009, the first Huser producer to open in 12 years after the CAM. And Pierre Tilka, he's like a bioengineer, he's the holder of a PhD in statistical genetics, he studied brewing science in Leuven. And before starting Tilka, he worked for periods at Brouwerie Heuge in Mala, uh, Brouwerie Driefontaine at the time in Biersel, and at Brasserie Cantillon in Anderlecht. We discussed what it's like to be 10 years in existence, talked about barrel maintenance, and we also found out about plans to brew as well as blend. So I think you, you started the, the blender in 2009 and you first uh, had a beer on the market. So the first beer was launched uh, May 2011. Yeah. And we're now just in May 2021. So that would mean that's kind of the 10 year anniversary of Tilkan kind of arriving on, on the market. Um, so yeah, what, what kind of, do you have any reflections on those 10 years? Did it go quickly or, or was it a, was it a bit of a? a, the, the, a the, the, it, it went very quickly. The start was uh, a bit complicated. It's always difficult to find the solution, the good uh, financial uh, uh, buildings and, 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 and to, to, to try to, to find the, the shareholder that could help me to start. So it was uh, difficult at the start, but then everything was planned. And the first two years was just following the, what was planned. And then my first goose was on the market with a blend of one and two years old only and in May uh, 11. And then from that moment, I've been super lucky. Uh, I, I've been growing my production progressively. I took an additional building to rent and then rapidly the owner proposed me a, the whole building to buy the whole building. So I extended progressively my production from around 500 to now uh, 1,600 hectoliters. Mm. And it was in, in 10 years. So I, it was a very nice grow and, and I think it's, it's wonderful that I could uh, sell, uh, 
progressively uh, this, this volume uh, easily. And, and I had the chance to find good clients uh, uh, outside Belgium. I have a big client in US, a big client in Sweden, uh, uh, and also in Norway and UK. So um, I'm selling 70% of my production abroad. And, and it's always a bit, uh, there's always a small delay uh, when I grow, uh, when, I, when I increase my production, Belgium is taking a bit more, uh, a bit later, but it's always yeah, yeah, increasing yeah. in Belgium also. And like, have you, have you noticed any difference in the um, attitude to Lambic or maybe the education about Lambic between 2011 and 2021, just generally? Because I think things have changed quite a bit, right? It's changed a lot. There is a much more people interested much more, uh, much more beer geeks, I would say. Uh, the normal b beer drinkers are becoming a bit more geeks and are looking for special stuff. Yeah, yeah. Much more uh, reading about reading about lambic, reading, uh, uh, looking at videos and so on. So the people know a lot, and then they come and they know what they look for. Uh, so it's very nice, but it has also the 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 negative effect that in fact people are more looking only for new stuff. And, so and there's a challenge to keep up with that kind of desire for something. Yeah, we have to produce always new beers, which is a bit f boring, I would say. It's 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 int interesting, it's challenging, but we find I find personally a bit of pity that that I that people are not drinking uh, more uh, normal goods. So you, you you would rather spend a lot more time kind of perfecting and honing in on the older fuses. Yeah, I think my goods is my best product, and that's the one I improve every year. I and and and. It was not perfect at the start, but progressively I tried to do my best to make it better. And um, and uh, I think it's the most interesting product. Yeah. Let's take a question then from Matt at Lambic.info. Uh, will we ever see unblended Tilka Eau de Lambic on draft or box, or is such a thing impossible considering the multiple sources? It's something totally not possible from my point of view. If you are a blender, that's not my role to sell uh, a pure lambic of a colleague. So I'm not going to sell Bone, Lindemans, Cantillon, Girardin, or Timmermans pure. If people want these lambic, they have to buy them at the at the producer. My my job is to do a blend, and I sometimes do a blend of lambic flat that I keep in the fridge that I serve only on the open door weekend. Yeah, that's something special that you would go there to, to, to get, yeah. Yeah, so it's not possible to keep it uh, in bottle flat, otherwise it's, it's becoming uh, carbonated uh, course, rapidly. Yeah. Um, so Hamburg Beer Fan asks, most of your barrels appeared quite new. How do you source barrels and how long do you keep them? So, so yeah, where are you getting your barrels from and how so do I get, you I get my barrels from uh, 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 a winemaker uh, in Côte du Rhône uh, do, doing um, Hermitage, Croze Hermitage, Cornas uh, Saint-Joseph. Uh, and uh, these are second-hand barrels of red wine only, uh, um, having around five or six years of use. And uh, we just started to renew um, uh, something like 300, precisely 320 barrels were renewed in the two last years. So last year we renewed 160, this year 160 again. Um, so I kept my barrels for 10 years and in, in fact, uh, yeah. a, a bit a bit more. Uh, I mean, you know, one of the things I noticed about your blendery is, you know, you're focusing a lot on like cleaning and making sure everything is in a particular order. You know, that's important to make good lambic. Um, have you ever had an experience where you're not happy with barrels and you, you, you know, you've had to get rid of some or, you know, that... Yes, for sure. We we we, we sometimes, uh, 
since uh, some years now, it happens uh, every year that we put something like three, four or five barrels to the drain. Mm -hmm. uh, because we are not happy with the result, uh, it's mostly old lambics. Uh, is it, is they, it like mostly acidic or just? They, they, get, they are getting too acidic. Yeah. Um, and they wouldn't uh, be nice in a blend. So, but we we hope by the renewing of the barrels we will get that less. And I was uh, I, I I renewed these barrels also for for some technical reason because my high pressure hot water system was a bit uh, too strong. I would say at the start of the blendery. Now I'm a bit more slow. Mm -hmm. I, I, I clean my barrels a bit more gently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I hope to keep them longer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a maintenance thing. Let's see. Mark Hubbard has a good question. Any plans to begin brewing, Pierre? That's a good question. Yes, there is plan. There okay, are plans tell, like tell that. Tell me about that. I have a small brew kit in preparation. Uh, it's not the, 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 the plan is totally not to change, uh, uh, all the lambics by my own lambic. I want to keep blending. I, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful uh, uh, job to blend uh, these nice lambics that I have. But I just want to try and to experiment with brewing with a small brew kit. It, we should do something like 800 or 1,000 liter, it, and uh, and it's a it's a traditional brew kit with a, a one mashing and filtration uh, vessel. We're gonna steer by hand. And, uh, and we, we have two cooking vessels, one for the uh, treble wort, one for the clean, the, the clear one, and, uh, and then a cool ship, uh, which is uh, already welded and uh, at the welder. So yeah, it's quite, uh, it's quite exciting. We were, we were a bit too late this season to start. So uh, when do you envisage the first brew? We'll the first brew should be in November next, uh, this year. Yeah. So does that mean following through on the logic that there's a possibility of, uh, a blend of one, two, and three-year-old Tilkan and eventually you have like a 100% Tilkan eau de cuisine. That's the objective, to produce only a, a Lambic, to try to reach the best recipe and, and, and make some tests and, 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 and then let it age in barrels for three, two, and one year and then get a blend and, and, and produce a 100% organic uh, Tilkan Gueuse, which would be a small scale, uh, small batch, but uh, just... Uh, well, that's nice. fantastic. And I mean, just to be clear as well, that that will be a product alongside the, the, the yeah. beers that are blended from the other breweries. Yeah, it might, I will take another name, something like Goose du Tiel, because I have a, a, a Lindebaum on, on the on the bottle. Uh, something, another name and 100%. And It'll be a separate uh, line. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, okay, let's take another question then. Um, um, so, Beeras people, when preparing a blend, do you have in your mind the beer that you will get at the end? Or are there surprises and factors that can never be controlled? I would say that there are surprises and factors that can't be controlled. I, it's, it's very difficult for me to, to imagine what will be the blend at the end. But the way I work is to, to choose the component. And if the component are a good quality, you know that at the end you get a good goose. So you have to, to choose, uh, to choose your lambic and I have the chance that I have uh, four to five different lambics at, uh, available. And, uh, so I, I choose always, uh, for example, for the typical blend of Tilkin, it's, uh, Bone and Lindemans one year old. I choose a, a simple lambic giving volume and Bone is perfect for that and the Lindemans also. Then I put some more complexity with the old ones. Uh, Lindemans is aging quite well also, two years old. Girardin is bringing, is used as a two years old also. It's the more, a more oppy lambic, more tasteful. 
And, and then I use a three-year-old Cantillon and three-year-old Girardin also. And these, the, the Girardin is aging quite well because there is a bit more up, so it's a bit more protected by the mm -hmm. uh, uh, bacteriostatic properties. And, and then the Cantillon is quite slow, so I prefer to age it, to, to, to use it as three-year-old. And if you choose the, the good lambics, you get the good girls at the end, from yeah. my point of view. But they each, you know, have their own, like you just described, unique characteristics. You know, are you becoming familiar with them as you're working with them, or is it something that you knew right before you started? You know, this is the profile of of uh, Cantillon Girardin. I had I had the chance that I I learned to use these lambic first at Trifontaine. Trifontaine was using Bone Lindemann Girardin. Uh, Armand uh, de Belder learned me how to 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 blend these lambics. Yeah, there's a question here from uh, Ab Abhijit Patak. Can you tell us more about your experience working at Cantillon Trifontaine and if it inspired you in any way? So, I mean, I guess you have influence, you have some knowledge passed on, like what, what's the experience like and, and what sort of things are they communicating to you? So at the start, I didn't, I was not planning to start my own uh, blendery. I just wanted to, to work in a, in, in Lambic, uh, in a Lambic production facility. And I started to work with Armand and I learned a lot from him. Uh, it's, he's a, I have a practice of the way of working very close to what Armand learned to me. Uh, and, um, and unfortunately, I couldn't stay. Uh, I, we, I stayed that for six months. Uh, each of us, we had our own character and, and we stopped our collaboration. But uh, it was uh, very, I learned a lot from, from Armand. And then I had the chance to go to Cantillon. And uh, a bit same, I came a bit to the same situation where I was, I had ideas. I had many uh, ideas to, 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 to to try to implement and, and, and this, this normal. It's a, my company is a bit more like that. Uh, these, uh, these breweries are, uh, have only, uh, only one, one, one chef, only one yeah. boss. Single minded. Yeah. And, and, and that's normal. So I was used a bit more uh, as a simple worker. So we decided together that, uh, it was, it was better to stop our collaboration, but I, I left Cantillon with the promise that if I start my blendery, I would get a brew from them. And I was the only one getting Cantillon that could get Cantillon. And I, I'm still the only one using Cantillon. Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. Um, Diane asks, how old were you when you had your first traditional Hughes or Lambic? And did you like it at first sip or did you acquire the appreciation? I, I did. Uh, at first, uh, my first experience with Lambic was uh, uh, the Lindemann's framboise. So which is a bit more sweet uh -huh. uh, and and then like then I discovered by 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 uh, by living in Brussels uh, I discovered old girls with the 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 grandfather of my ex-wife he brought a super old Cantillon then I visited uh, Drifontaine and I had the chance to have a private visit with Armand uh, and 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 progressively I discovered the, the world of Lambic and it's a bit strange, but, but uh, the, 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 my passion for lambic relate a bit to my uh, uh, previous uh, studies. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bioengineer uh, and I specialized in animal breeding. Mm -hmm. And as I was married with my uh, with uh, my wife and uh, living in Brussels, I was willing to come back to something quite practical and a, jo a practical job. And when you enter a lambic brewery, you have the feeling to enter in a in a, in a farm and in a small, uh, uh, co farm and, 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 and you have the feeling of, of, of having a farm, farm in the city. And so I progressively, I, I, as I wanted to come back to the origin of my studies, I, my patient grew for Lambic during my PhD. And, 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 and then I, I, I started to, 
to 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 work in that. Yeah, and you you, you know you're drawn to the the cultural importance of lambic as well as the the flavor profile of it as well, I guess. But, but it's a yeah, it's a it's a beer which needs to. When you taste that first, you, have, you need someone to explain you what it is. Sure. Yeah. And it's not uh, if you if you take a bottle on your own in the shop and you don't know what it is, it, you might put it in the drain if you don't understand. The next guest is Carol Hudo from Who's a Steak at a Old at the Cam. In June of '97, the Cam opened in Hoek, becoming the first new traditional lambic blender to open in Belgium in nearly 40 years. Carol started working there in 1998 and two years later, in 2000, he took over. At the time, he was also the brewer and manager at Brauerei Slagmulder. We talked about moving from brewing lagers and ales to Lambic, about his use of Pilsner or Quell barrels, which date back to 1820, and his skills on the Flemish bagpipe. Um, so, but you... you um you worked before in, in another brewery, so you you have been involved with the camp for, for quite a while, but you worked previously in the slag molded. Yeah. Um, and you were brewing, I guess, clean top fermented eels. Yeah, and low fermented eels. And, and also, yeah, lager. So, so um, what's, is there like a, there's obviously, it's a completely different tradition and a different product. Yeah. What's the, the perspective, did, did, did brewing one give you a different perspective on the other? Did what brew? Uh, like the, the, the other brewery. Yeah, so does brewing like clean Belgian eels, you know, make you think about Lambic in a different way? Oh, it made me only uh, have more respect for Lambic because uh, Lambic in the past, it was not uh, on the top uh, shelf of other breweries, you know. They uh, looked at Lambic as, as it was a, a bit of a strange beer, eh? spontaneous fermentation. Uh, even at my education at, at the brewing school, they uh, only mentioned one line about spontaneous fermentation that it exists, and that was the end of the story. They wanted us to make lager beers and top fermented beers. But for me, that culture, the heritage uh, that we have, of uh, because I was born in this uh, region, Pajotaland, in Gooik, uh, we have to fight to let it survive and that's how it all started. Uh, you know, what attracts me in this beer is that it always has been the underdog. Um, and it was Armand uh, from Driefontainen and his father, Gaston de Belder, who also fought to make this beer survive for the next 500 years. Um, so, uh, yeah, I had uh, a little bit of, of uh, everything in the brewing world and that... Uh, can only make my respect for Lambic bigger. And do you think those those attitudes, like you mentioned about in brewing school, some of the, the people were like, you know, th- those are the Lambic guys. Do you think in 2021 that attitude still prevails? Or do you think people now studying brewing or learning about brewing um, have, have a respect for Lambic? Well, they have respect and they have tried to copy us on this moment, of course. Now, uh, in those 25 years ago, we were about the only one next to the Outbrun uh, uh, beers that used wooden barrels. And now uh, you can't even not imagine any brewery anymore where there is no wooden barrel used. So uh, they... they uh, are very jealous about uh, the flavors, the complexity in Lambic, 
But uh, when they realize how much work it is, how much patience you need to have to make one bottle of beer more than three years, then they realize, oh, yes, respect for the Lambic brewers and to make a bottle of real goods. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the calm, I think, started uh, initially in 1997, something yeah. like that. And it, it was quite a while before that that the, pre the, most, the previous one had opened. So it was kind of a... a, a a new sort of entrant on the market. Um, you got involved in 2000. Yeah. So, you know, around that time, like who are the people, uh, what, what are the, the things that influenced you and who are the people that influenced you in your blending and in your desire to get involved? Yeah. Well, since 98, I was already asked by Willem to join in and to help him uh, putting on the barrels uh, and uh, making the new blends and this and that. And uh, in 98, we had the occasion to uh, uh, f make the first brew of Flambic at the Driefontaine mm -hmm. with Armand and with his father Gaston, the builder. And uh, my respect to Armand is, is very big because he, he really made us all um, have more uh, passion about that, that uh, beautiful product. Uh, it's... Uh, the way that we, I worked with Armand is uh, we have a friendship that you never can destroy anymore. And everybody who likes to enjoy a lambic or a goose should meet Armand the Belder because he's what, the one who saved us all. Sure. And I mean, that must have been, a, you know, that's a seminal moment in your own career, brewing for the first time at Fontaine and, and seeing and talking and listening. So, you know, and that carried through, I guess, into your, your own experience in the CAM. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you're, you're a one-man band, so have you just kind of learned by trial and error yourself kind of after that? Um, or, or how long have you been in there on your own? I've been always on my own in the CAM. I've never had, uh, of course, I could always ask for help at uh, Armand, but um, we uh, fight for the same principles. That's a spontaneous fermentation of lambic in the cool ship, in the winter nights, uh, uh, fermented in the wooden barrels 100% and 100% spontaneous re-fermented in the bottle. So, um, yeah, we, we, we struggled through it. We went uh, through uh, difficult periods. Sure. Uh, but uh, the last years it pays off and uh, people uh, who come at Sunday at the camp to uh, join a bottle of uh, Lambic or Goose or whatsoever of the beers, they, they feel the same passion. It's lambic or goose is not a beer that you drink on your own. You share it with a lot of people. And in Piotoland, we like to share beers with good music. Uh, you know, lambic is in our blood. It's like uh, uh, you, you have, uh, uh, when you uh, uh, drink the, 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 the milk of the, uh, of, uh, the breast of your mother, yeah, like that. In Piotrland, we, we drink Lambic. One uh, van der Velde is a famous singer here in, in uh, Flanders. And uh, one liter of uh, milk van de Moederkelk, that was his famous words. And it's like Lambic for all of us here in Piotrland. Okay, that's a yeah, very interesting comparison. Let's, let's move over to the questions and see what people are asking. So Iris and Walter are um, asking, I saw a Pilsner or Quell barrel. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, well, we bought the Pilsen Urquell barrels together with Drie Fontaines in the beginning of 97, 98. And that's uh, where the first uh, 
lambic comes from the the Pilsib Urquell barrels were originally from 1800, 1810, 1820. There were 4,000 liters. They have taken them uh, separately uh, to take off 10 centimeters from the inside from the wood and uh, made them together again to barrels of 1,000 liters. Then they come to Belgium. And so the Millennium Goose was uh, chosen by the best lambic of the Cam out of those Pilsen Urquell barrels together with the best lambic of Driefontaine and bottled in 98. Okay, okay. And I mean, are there other um, uh, lambic breweries or blenders that have also Pilsen Urquell or is it unique to the Cam? It's the Cam and Driefontaine. Okay, excellent. A uh, question from Jules. Do you, do you brew by yourself or do you use the word of other breweries and which? So maybe a good sort of way to explain the difference between a brewery and a blendery and to reveal all the work that you're you're taking from other people. <laughs> yeah, they wish, yeah. Uh, well, um, uh, I only go brew at myself at Driefontaine in Beersel. Uh, there I have to the opportunity to work together with Michael and with uh, Diego to brew our own Lambic that we take back after one night cool ship. And uh, the other Lambic that we work with comes from five different villages out of Poyotoland. Five The five different villages being? Uh, the best. The, the best villages, okay. I don't do marketing for other breweries. If they fine. want to pay me to do their marketing, I want to do their marketing. But until now, uh, no. That's fine. They'll have to get, they'll have to get the jackpot out. Okay. Um, next question. Um, okay. Uh, Priscilla asks, Carol, can you talk a bit more about the fruit lambic with rhubarb and how did you use it in the process? <laughs> well, why the laugh? <laughs> yeah, well, people want to know all the, the, the secret things, of course. We, uh, for every fruit beer that we make, we try to find the best uh, farmer that produces the, the fruit and we try to harvest when it's on its best moment. Um, we always use 1000 kilos to 1500 liters of lambic and let it fermentate together about one year. And then for the re-fermentation, we blend uh, younger fruit lambic with older fruit lambic and let it re-fermentate in the bottle for another eight to 10 months. So uh, it's with rhubarb, it's with all the other fruits. It's, uh, and what was, the, what was the, the decision to choose rhubarb? What, where did that idea come from? Well, because of the, uh, you need something that has the power to go over lambic. Lambic has already so much flavor, so much complexity. If you use a fruit with only sugars, the sugars will disappear. The Brettanomyces will eat all the sugars. What's left over is nothing. So you need something, uh, uh, something fruit that goes over the lambic uh, yeah. complexity. Yeah. So rhubarb is something like that. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting because it's fairly unique. I think not a lot of people are using rhubarb. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Farty asks, are the green decam polos for sale? <laughs> He knows that we don't have much uh, marketing stuff, and uh, so you don't have a big box of green T-shirts in in the in the blender, you know? No, I don't. <laughs> so it's unique. But a lot of people are and uh, want to have that uh, polo. But yeah, we will see. Perhaps for the next tour de Goose. I think twenty twenty two tour de Goose. Twenty twenty two. I don't make line promises. Up your line I'm up not your... a man of promises. You just made a promise. That's the promise. I mean, we, we talked a little bit about sort of the heritage and the tradition. And, you know, one thing I did uh, know was that the Hoyek village is actually has a, a famous um, 
uh, linked to Lambic, but also to folk music in the region. And actually folk music and Lambic are two things which are, you know, have also have a close relationship. Mm-hmm. You played the, the bagpipes, I think. So, I mean, is that also something that's kind of close to your heart, that kind of folk music uh, link with Lambic? Yeah, of course. But, uh, you know, it's bagpipe, but it's a Flemish bagpipe. And so everybody who has a little bit cultural background, he knows that we go back 500 years where Lambic has been served in all the uh, weddings, the, the weddings of the farmers. And on those paintings of Bruegel, you see uh, people drinking lamping, uh, Lambic and playing the Flemish bagpipe. So if you come to Hoik, and please do, begin of July, you have an f- incredible folk festival, folk uh, Gooikorts. That's why we make the Geus Gooikorts. And then the second half of August, we have uh, a big party of more than 10 days. People uh, learning the bagpipe, the hurdy-gurdy, the guitar, the violin, uh, drinking lambic, dancing, singing, corona-proof uh, times, of course. And uh, you have to do it. Uh, it's 20 to 26 of August. Please come. Uh, we also have the, the big uh, party at uh, the Three Kings, the Rikoningen Ball in uh, January. So uh, uh, Goik is alive and Goik is um, into tradition. And so that's why we want to protect that. Next, it's Paul Raas of the truck, a brewery whose name dates to the late 18th century. Jostras and his wife Miriam Vader Hassel took on the family tradition in 1974. And then in 2002, their son, Pavel Ras, joined his parents in the family business. In July 2012, Pavel Ras and his wife, Crystal Schalftel, took over. So Pavel is the seventh generation in the family to run the brewery. We talked about his difficult introduction to the brewery, how he recently moved from heating his kettle with coal to heating it with steam. And we talked about working with fruit in Lambic. You grew up in uh, in the Troch. Uh, your your father and mother kind of were, were also brewers mm-hmm. there. So, you know, what what do you have any memories of like, you know, seeing brew days and, and you know, growing up uh, sort of through the barrels and stuff? Uh, brew days, not a lot, but the barrels and all what was around uh, the brewing, I saw and I helped getting older, uh, starting to help uh, with different things. Um, and even now my, fa- my sons, I have two sons, uh, are also uh, already helping. Uh, and how old are you? Uh, the oldest is uh, 15 and he or, um, already drives for four years, I think, with the half-trick. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, w- because you were there from a young age, did you always think, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be a Lambic brewer? <laughs> Not really. Or, or did <laughs> uh, I was in marketing of beer, uh, marketing and selling of beer until, uh, 2002 when there was a... Of the truck beers? Of, not only of the truck beers, uh, also of the truck beers. Yeah. Okay. Um, but in 2002, uh, my father had, a, father had an accident and yeah. So that's, that's Jos. Uh, that's Jos, yeah. And, and if you don't mind me asking, what happened? 
he fell through a roof and uh, had some weeks of coma. Um, so uh, then I came into the to the brewery and into the production side of the brewery, which was the first time I really saw the brewery work. You, you, yeah, it's, it's the first time you saw, you probably had walked past things in the brewery, but this is the first time yeah, you yeah, saw Yeah, and, and when someone put the valve uh, open or I put the valve open, there was someone who said, put the valve open. Yeah. But now when I put the valve open at that it was moment, your decision. Uh, and I looked uh, behind me, everybody was telling, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's a kind of a steep learning curve. And, and like, so, I mean, were you, your father was, I guess, in hospital, yeah, um, yeah. in a coma. That yeah. Obviously a tough time for the family. Did you guys, were you confident that things, things would be okay? Uh, we hope to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was in uh, November. So uh, in the middle of the brew season. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we had to brew because yeah, we were uh, in the season. Yeah. And I mean, just to sort of say now, your father did come out of the coma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, live and kicking at the brewery. Okay, and he's, <laughs> he's doing okay. He's doing okay, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. great. Um, but sort of in the meantime, you've obviously then been kind of had this baptism of fire. You're you're now learning, yeah, I'm the only one that can decide on opening the valves and no one's there behind me. Um, was that, was that a, like a difficult or a steep learning curve? It was not the easiest way to, to come into the brewery, uh, but it was probably the most learning way. Mm -hmm. So uh, in a short time. Yeah. Uh, I think you, you were able to get some uh, kind of a, a advice or assistance from uh, people that had a little bit more experience. So I think uh, Hirt Duruk, uh, yeah. who works now at the brewing school in, yeah. uh, in Ghent, uh, in Ghent. Mm -hmm. Kyle Leuven helped. So was, was he sort of a, an influential sort of person in making sure you could get up and running? Well, he also worked at the brewery before uh, I was in. So uh, he knew the brewery, he knew, he knew the brew house. So it was a, a very big help uh, to have someone there at that moment. Yeah, abs absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, at the time as well, were you, because you were just coming into the brewing, um, did you also have like good relationships with your, the other colleagues uh, in the other Lambic breweries? Like, could you ask, could you pick up the phone and, and kind of ask about, ask about certain things? And or were you kind of on your own at that period? I cannot tell I was alone at that moment, but I didn't have that good contact with the colleagues. Yeah. Uh, I knew them. But it was a different world as well, again. It was a different world. And also my father had the contact. Yeah. Uh, I knew them, I saw them in the, like, the past. But it's not when I phoned them, I, or I had a regular conversation by phone with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the opposite is true. There are some colleagues who uh, came to us and asked uh, if we can help. Yeah. Uh, please tell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, that's great. Maybe we'll try some uh, questions coming in from people watching. Um, Yves asks, Powell, please elaborate on the investments that you have done recently. <laughs> uh, we are, we did invest in our brew house until uh, two years ago, we still uh, had open fires under the boiling kettle. So that's a coal heated. Coal and wood heated uh, uh, kettle. Kettle, yeah. yeah. 
Now it's with Steam. Uh, I can tell you it's much easier to work with. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> well, so, but, so tell me about like working with, with coal, because I mean, is that someone shoveling coal underneath the- Part labor. And uh, with Steam, you can put your temperature into the system and it will keep your temperature and yeah. yeah. With coal, it's a lot. With, with, with coal, you, you think you will have the temperature, then you have it, and then your heart are too high, then you have to... So how do you, how do you reduce the temperature with coal? With, with other coal, <laughs> but, but with burnt coal. So okay, yeah. yeah, okay, okay. So that's really like a, a way that, that you know, it has been done you know, in the past. And until two years ago at the, our brewery. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, in, in the introduction, Lisa Lott mentioned that, you know, there is this kind of museum vibe in the truck. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also something that people quite like is that they can see, you know, a Lamech brewery as it might've existed years before. But I mean, obviously the reality of it is a, is a, is a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. So you, you have the, um, the, uh, the steam powered uh, kettle now. Is there mm -hmm. any other investments you've made uh, across the brewery? recent years? Uh, we had some uh, bells we bought in the past, in the uh, last years, um, from uh, different suppliers. Uh, then we did uh, invest some in the bottling line, uh, mm -hmm. also for the fruit beers. Uh, 2012, we put a new pesticizer uh, mm -hmm. into the brewery. So, uh, yeah, we tried to invest. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, let's see. Um, uh, Drunus 13, banana and pineapple is quite unusual for fruit lambic. Any thoughts of doing it with other fruits? Well, we do. <laughs> well, you, you have quite a range, I think, yeah. right? So tell me about we all- We have about uh, 10 uh, flavors. We use with strawberry, uh, or we work with uh, strawberry, uh, raspberry, uh, apricots, peach, lemon mm -hmm. uh, and every flavor has a little bit uh, a demand of a, an importer or exporter mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah most of the beers are made on the request of uh, an importer yeah and those are branded uh, chapeau the, uh, all the sweets uh, so those the are sweet the range of our beers are uh, under the brand name of Chapeau. Yeah, and I think you, you used to have the 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 Huse, the Eau de was also Chapeau, but it's now the Drock Eau de Yeah, we Huse changed it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. We changed uh, the old traditional beers, like uh, Old Goose, Old Creek, under the brand name Chapeau. It was that kind of to dis differentiate the, the traditional product to the kind of the, the, the sweetened product? Yeah, because we also make uh, uh, a commercial creek. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, people didn't... Uh, you wanted to make it clear yeah, between... You wanted to make a difference, a real yeah, difference yeah. between uh, the beers. Um, are, you, um, are you using fooders uh, to age Lambic in the truck? No, we don't use uh, fooders. And uh, it's a pra practical reason they don't fit in the building. Uh, okay. and, uh, yeah, because it, when, I'm, when I've been to the truck, I see the, the ceilings are fairly low. Yeah. And it is a very old building, I guess. And... and mm -hmm making changes might not be possible. Uh, it's difficult and uh, expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lana is asking, what is the most popular, best-selling flavor among all your beers? Banana beer, I think. Really? Yeah. 
Okay. And does that surprise you or is it, you know? It was our first fruit beer uh, after Creek. So it's the, the oldest uh, fruit beer we make uh, in a special range of fruit beer. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's the most uh, popular one. Like, which country is it then that it's uh, that is um, buying the most uh, banana beer? They all buy it. <laughs> <laughs> There you have it. Those are the conversations from day two of the Tour de Cuse at home. You can watch all of those sessions in their entirety on the website tourdecuse.be. That's T-O-E-R-D-E-G-E-U-Z-E dot B-E. In the previous podcast, we shared some highlights from day one, where we talked to Bruno Reinders of Morzubit, with Thomas van der Lenotte of Dibbermans, with Dirk and Geert Lindemans of Brouwerie Lindemans, with Jo Panels of Lambic Fabriek, and with Hart Christians of Oud Beersel. You can go back and listen to that now if you missed it. And in another podcast to follow, we'll also share my conversation with Frank Bone about the Mega Blend 2021, a special blend which contains Lambic from each of the Haral members, released just for the Tour de Cuse every two years. Thank you to you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter updates at belgiansmack.com and share the podcast with someone you think might be interested. My name is Brendan Kearney and this has been the Belgian Smack Podcast. Until next time, love what you do. (laughs) 